Good morning. Welcome to Woods Edge Student Ministry. Um, hey, we're getting started with a brand new series, like a mini-series, a few weeks now, um, called Shepherds of Fire. How many of you guys have any idea what that's about? Yeah, but it sounds cool, right? We're going to be talking about what that actually means over these next few weeks. Um, so leading up to Freedom Weekend, how many of you guys were a part of Freedom? Amazing. It was incredible. Leading up to freedom, there was kind of this uh, theme of fire, if you will. Um, and kind of after freedom, it's, it's stuck around. And so we're going to be diving into what does God uh, mean when he calls us shepherds of fire. Um, I said there's a theme of fire leading up to Freedom Weekend. And um, I played a vital role in, in part of that, meaning I set the dumpster on fire and uh, spoiler alert, I almost burned down Woods Edge property, uh, like the entire campus. Um, but that's for next week. We'll tell that story next week, so there's a little, little teaser for you. Um, but there was this theme leading up to freedom, during freedom. How many of you guys saw Javi spinning his sweet fire? Look at that. It's like he's spinning a dragon or something. Javi was all in on the, the fire theme. Um, a, a week or two before freedom, uh, Kyle Sands went up to Justin and said, I feel like God's calling us to be shepherds of fire. And Justin was like, yeah, that's awesome. And we're like, okay, what does that mean? I don't know, but we're going to figure it out. So we're going to figure it out together. Uh, when I think of shepherds of fire, like just a few visuals come to my mind, like uh, the, the human torch. How many of you guys know the human torch? Show me. Did y'all know that Captain America... Before he was Captain America, was the Human Torch. I mean, movie trivia facts for you right there. Yeah, same guy. Same guy. Terrible movie. Don't watch it. It's not good. Uh, but he was that guy. He was, he was kind of shepherding some fire there. Uh, I, I think of Elmo on, on fire. Show me my Elmo. Sitting on toilet. No. Sitting on toilet. That's not um, on the, the other, the other, other Elmo. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the Elmo we wanted. We think of Elmo on fire. He's kind of like shepherding the fire behind him. Just forget toilet Elmo. Think of fire Elmo. That's where we're going. This is not shepherds of toilets, shepherds of fire. Um, I think of Andy. And Andy Zabo, is he in the room? He's in the floor. Uh, he drew a sweet shepherd of fire. Like that, that guy's like a, uh, what's the Star Wars stand, sand dune people? Like, shepherd of fire. Like, it's just awesome. It's so cool. The question is, what does that mean for us? Like, like by the end of today, are we all going to walk out of here with like matches and, and tinder and go start fires? No. Do not do that. Don't be like me. Don't set anything on fire. But the question is, what does that mean for us? Like, after the excitement of, of this, this idea wears off, what does this practically mean? Like, are we all supposed to uh, pick up fire spinning with Javi, like Javi take you giving lessons, I don't know. Um, I, I would take them. I want to spin fire. But what does this mean for us? Well, it has to first begin with the foundation. And the foundation of us being shepherds of fire comes from the fact that we serve a God of fire. Now that can be kind of a, a scary thought, uh, it can sound a little weird, like if our first initial reaction when we hear that is like, oh my goodness, I, 
I'm a, I'm a little terrified, a little, a little afraid. Um, it means that we need to change the way that we think about God. Because everything that God says in Scripture is for our good. Even if it sounds scary at first, it is because he, he loves us and he is here for our good. And so God calls himself a shepherd of fire. And so if that scares us, then we need to change the way that we think about the God that we serve. Our foundation verse for this is going to be Hebrews 12, 29. And it says, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. When I think about consuming fire, like I, I just think practically, okay, what does what fire consume that I, that I really love? I love steak. How many of you guys love steak? Like when that, that fire on the grill is consuming that tender meat, and like the, the juices are dripping down, you got the salt and the garlic that you put, like, mmm. Consuming fire is delicious. What else do I think of? I think of like a bonfire. How many of you guys have had like a sweet bonfire? Aren't bonfires amazing? Like it can be cold outside and yet because there is a consuming fire on these, these big pile of sticks, you are warm, you have uh, light to be able to see. What else do I think of with consuming fire? Well, I think of the biggest consuming fire in our solar system is the sun. Like this giant ball of fire in the sky that is giving all of us heat and is giving this earth life. Like this, this consuming fire that is millions of miles away is for our good. And so fire, God is a consuming fire, can be viewed in two separate ways. For those of us who are in Christ, God as a consuming fire should be a, a comforting, encouraging thought. And we're going to dive into what that means and why that is today. But for those who are not in Christ, yeah, God as a consuming fire is a terrifying thought. How do we be in Christ? How do we get to the place where, okay, God is, as consuming fire is encouraging to me. It's just simply receiving him as your Lord and Savior. And so if, if that's you here today and you're like, oh my God, God is a consuming fire. That terrifies me to death because I don't know him. It's simple to get to know him. You just say, Jesus, I need a savior. I can't save myself. Would you, would you be my Lord? I, I'm coming to you. It's as simple as that. And then you get to transition from terrifying to, oh, God's a consuming fire. No way. It is such an encouraging thought. But we have to kind of flesh out why that is. You know, I, I think when we hear that God is a consuming fire, that God wants to consume every part of our lives like our first initial human reaction could be like, man, that's, that's so selfish of God. Like he's got his space. Give me my space, God. Why, why do you want to consume my life? Or, or like, man, God's such a killjoy. Like just trying to consume all my fun. It's because we're thinking from a human perspective, right? If, if I go up to Kyle and I'm like, Kyle, here's the deal. I want to consume every part of your life. Kaylin is going to consume your life. And Kyle's like, get away from me, weirdo. I am out of here. This is a cult. Uh-uh. No way. Why is that? Because I am completely flawed. I am imperfect. I have nothing substantial to offer Kyle. But when 
when never-ending, infinite love and affection says to Kyle, says to you, I want to consume every part of your life. Man, that brings life. That brings joy. That brings all the good things that deep down we want. So in Christ, look at this. Show me my slide of when we are in Christ, our, our addictions, when God consumes us, when Jesus consumes us, those addictions become freedom. Our insecurities become identity. God consumes those insecurities and gives us identity. He, he consumes our anxieties and gives us peace. He consumes our anger and gives us his love. He consumes our doubts and gives us hope. He consumes our fears, gives us confidence. The fact that God is a consuming fire is such good news. It is such good news. It means that, that God is not inactive on the sideline. Like, he's not just sitting far off in, in outer space like, oh yeah, I created those people, but, uh, you yeah, know, they can do whatever they want. I don't really care. That would be so depressing to think about, like, like that, that God doesn't care about it. But no, it says God is a consuming fire. He wants to consume every aspect of our life, not because he wants to rob us of joy, but because he wants to give us our greatest joy, our greatest happiness. That is what happens when God consumes us, is that we're then given life. We're given freedom. I think about some experiences in my life where, where God has, has consumed me. Growing up, you know, up until I was around 12 years old, I was like deathly afraid of the dark. So I would, I would go to bed and I couldn't sleep for hours, literally hours, because I was so terrified. Like every, every noise I heard, every like turning on of the air conditioner I heard, I was like, demon, murderer, axe murderer, zombie. Like you, you know that feeling when you're laying on bed and like you, you kick off the cover, but then your, your foot hangs over the edge and you're like, oh, okay, I'm safe. Like that was me every night. It's like if I just if I'm covered in the blankets, no one can see me and I'm safe. I remember seeing the movie Anaconda. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a stupid movie. Don't watch it. It's about this giant anaconda that eats people. Like that's all you need to know about it. It's dumb. Don't watch it. But then after I saw that movie, I was like, I know there is an anaconda in my closet, and if I open my eyes, it's gonna eat me. Like every night there was a different fear that would just consume me. And I was filled with so much anxiety and turmoil and sleeplessness because of it. And so I remember one night I was consumed with fear. I was like, I can't take this anymore. So I, I went downstairs and just sat with my parents. I was like, hey, uh, I'm not tired. Uh, can, can we hang out? And so we were talking and after a while they were like, what are you doing up? I was like, I'm just afraid. I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm so afraid. So we talked through that, and, and eventually they, they got to this question of, well, Kalen, do you know Christ? Because if you know Christ, you, you shouldn't have any fear. And I was like, I guess not. Maybe I don't know Christ. And so I, I prayed to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior that night. And I went back upstairs, and I fell asleep like a baby right away. And God, from that point forward, freed me from that fear. 
Not because I did anything special to like muster up the strength, like, oh, I'm going to be courageous, I'm going to be bold. No, because I submit myself to God and say, God, I can't save myself, would you save me? And, and because of that, God, the consuming fire, came in and consumed my fear and gave me his peace. When God consumes an aspect of our life, it is for our good. Like, how many of you guys want to be afraid of the dark? None of us. We all want peace. How many of you guys want to be chained by addiction and, and, and sin? None of us. We want to be free. How many of you guys want to be enslaved to depression and anxiety? None of us do. So we need the God who is a consuming fire to come consume us, consume every aspect of us so that we can experience freedom and peace. So how is God's fire good news to us? Well, first of all, I think of God as the refiner, the refiner's fire. He, he refers to himself over and over again throughout Scripture. Zechariah 13.9 says, I'll deliver them to the refinery fires. I'll deliver my people to the refinery fires, and I'll refine them as silver is refined, and test them for purity as gold is tested. And then they'll pray to me by name, and I will answer them personally. And I'll say, that's my people. And they'll say, God, my God. There's this theme all throughout the Bible that God is the refiner of his people. What does that mean? What, is, what does that even look like? Well, you, you see, in metalworking, the refiner is the person that takes this raw ore, this raw ore of, of gold or, or silver or whatever, and inside of this ore of, of gold, there's a bunch of gold in there, but there's also a lot of impurities in there. There's a lot of dirt and, and grime and muck. And so what the refiner has to do, show me my refiner, they have to heat this ore to incredible temperatures so that then it melts down. And when they melt the ore down, something rises to the top of the metal. And that's called dross. Those are the impurities that then the metal worker takes and scoops off and gets rid of so that then you're left with just the pure gold, the pure silver. Show me my video of the refiner. Here's a, an example of what this looks like. So this guy has some aluminum or something. Disclaimer, don't try this at home. Only professional rednecks allowed. So he has heated this, this metal to incredible temperatures. And you see what's risen to the top is all this, it looks like dirt. He's just scooping it out and putting it on the ground. Come, come around and you'll see, yeah, you'll see that big chunk. It should be easier to get. Look at all that. When you're watching this, this is what God does for you and I. We have all these impurities in our life. We have all these things that keep us from fulfilling our, our purpose and our identity, for, that keep us from walking in complete happiness and joy. And what God does, because he is a good refiner, is that he turns up the heat in our life. Turns up the pressure in our life. Why 
is that because he loves us, because he loves you, if you're experiencing heat in your life right now, if you're experiencing suffering in your life right now, it's because God loves you. God is allowing these things so that our impurities inside of us will rise to the top so that then he can do just like that guy did and and scoop them out so that we are pure gold. We're pure silver. Show me my my bar of gold. How many of you guys want to be that? How many of you guys want to have that? I mean, okay, maybe, yeah. Confession. Man, that's... That's what we want to be. And what does it mean to be pure gold? It means that we're not walking in the, the burdens of our slavery. It means that we have the self-control, the ability, the power to say no to the things that hurt us and to say yes to the things that bring us joy and happiness. It means that we're freed up to truly love people like God loves them. It means that we're freed up to get to live with eternal purpose and that the things that we do will matter for all of eternity. And when we are walking in, in the purity of what God has for us, it, it means that we're walking in deep happiness. So God, because he loves us, turns up the heat, allows us to go through some hard things, so that he can purify us, so that he can grow our character, so that he can make us more like him. Why? Because he wants our happiness. Because our happiness in him brings him so much glory. So what are some examples of some some dross, some impurities that God will try to get rid of in us? Well, like some, some wrong beliefs that we have about God or about ourselves like believing that I, I have to earn God's favor. Okay, yeah, he saved me, but now I have to earn his, his affection, his approval. God wants to remove that from us. Or like, like I am completely hopeless to overcome sin. I, I can't, can't do this. God wants to remove that and tell us, yeah, but I live in you. I can do it. Turn to me. God wants to remove bitterness in our lives that, that keeps us from loving people well. Like if we, if we have unforgiveness towards somebody, it is keeping us from, from living in freedom. It's, it's poisoning us and it's keeping us from being able to love them and receive love ourselves. Bitterness is a wall that, that keeps us from happiness, keeps us from joy. And so many things in our lives that God is saying, okay, it's going to get a little bit harder, but I'm with you and I'm going to remove these things from you. Another clear example of, of dross, impurities, like think about addictions in our lives to, to lust, to video games, to social media, to people, to approval. To, we have so many different addictions, and God is looking at us like a loving father. He's looking at his kids, and he's like, no, that's hurting you. Let me save you. Let me help you. And so often... Because we don't see them or we cling to them, God will turn up the heat in our lives so that they're forced to get out. Those impurities are forced to get to the surface so that then he can clean them out so we're freed up to walk in happiness, to walk in peace. 
James 1, 2-4 says, Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Let me just stop there. That is so against the culture that we live in today. The culture that we live in says if you are experiencing pain, if you're experiencing any kind of uncomfortability, run as far as you can. Run away from the pain. Run to the comfort. Run to what you know. God says, consider it a gift when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. And I know that's hard to do. I know it's hard to do. I've been walking through one of the hardest seasons of of my life this past year or two. It is so hard to say, thank you, God, for the suffering. Thank you for the trials. Thank you for for bringing up these, these things that are killing me so that you can work on them. It's so hard to do that. But it's so good to do that. When I recognize that these hard times, these hardships are for my good It changes everything. So consider it a sheer gift. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open to show its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. Man, what a hard scripture. What a hard verse to receive. Because everything inside of us wants to run away from the pain. When things get hard, what I want to do is say, peace out. I'm out of here. I don't need this. I don't need any of this. I'm out of here. That is what my flesh wants to do. But the, the God who made us, who is overseeing everything, who is sovereign, is saying, no, don't try to get out of it prematurely because I'm working something in you, something deep, something good, something that will bring you happiness. Don't try to get out of it. How many of you guys want to be happier? I do. If you're not raising your hand, liar. How many of you guys want to be free from compulsions to anger, fear, anxiety, addictions? I do. You're not raising your hand. You want to be fear free from lying. We all do. That is human nature. We, we want to be free from these things that, that we know hurt us. Even if we think we like them in the moment, we know that they're killing us. We know that they're hurting us. If we want to be free of those things, that can only come through the refining process from our God who is a consuming fire. And it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. But if we can know that God is with us in the midst of it, that he has not forsaken us, he's not turned his back on us, no, in fact, he is intimately with us, just saying, hang on, I got you, I'm going to see you through. If we can know that, Man, then we can experience the peace. We can experience the freedom. We can experience the joy. God wants us to be the purest gold possible. Why is that? We want to be the purest gold possible. We want to 
be free. We want to be happy. We want to know him because we're all created to know him. There is a God-shaped vacuum, a God-shaped hole in each and every one of us that only God can satisfy us, and God knows that, and so he will do whatever it takes to get those idols out of our lives so that we can find our truest happiness in him. And the process of that can be painfully difficult at times, but it's because he loves us. It's because he wants our greatest happiness, our greatest joy. And so we get to allow him to bring these hard things to the surface. I got to experience this at my job before this. I worked at a company called The Perfect Light. There's a picture of sweet baby face Kalen, unbearded. First, okay, I worked there for six years. The first three years, I was absolutely miserable. I hated it. Every day I woke up thinking, how can I get out of this? How can I change my situation? Because this is, this is stupid, and I hate it, and this is doing nothing good for me. Every day, I hated it. It was miserable to me. And so after three years of, of daily saying, I hate this, 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 God just convicted me one day and said, hey, what if I'm in this? I had tried to escape it four or five different times. Like I had told the owner of the company on three separate occasions, hey, I uh, just want to give you a heads up, I'm applying to other jobs, I'm going to leave. And then God shut the door or... One time he allowed me to go to a different company. I hated it even worse. It was even worse than where I was, and so I came back. I tried to escape over and over again from my pain, from, from the, the hardship that was my job. Until God convicted me and said, hey, you, you don't trust that I'm sovereign? You don't trust that I, I see you and that I know you? You don't trust that I love you infinitely more than you love yourself? It's like, oh, wow, what, what do you say to that? Okay, God, I have to, I have to believe that you, you love me. And so if you're allowing me here, it's because it's for my good. Like saying those words were so hard. God, you have me here for my good. Once I began doing that, I began praying and saying, God, either change my heart or change my situation. God, I just want to be where you want me to be. If, if that means working at this job for the next 75 years, that's what I want. Because I trust that you are good and that you are sovereign. And I'm tired of going my own way. I just want to go your way. Because your way is best. And as I began praying that, over the course of a couple months, my heart began to change. My situation wasn't any different. But God began to change my heart. And over the, the last three years that I was there, I loved it. God brought me to this place of, of seeing the, the good in it, of seeing the, the joy, the happiness that was to be found there. And I began to love working at this company. Not because I had done anything different besides praying and saying, God, I'm going to submit to whatever you have 
for me, even if I don't like it. God changed my heart. God changed the atmosphere that I was working in. All because I, I prayed and submitted after a lot of hell before that. What would God do in your life if you would just pray to him, God, your will be done, and then submit your heart to him, Lord. Even in the midst of this pain, even in the midst of the sorrow, even in the midst of, of this situation that I don't like, Lord, I have to trust that you're with me. I have to trust that you're good, that you love me. Guys, that, that's one of the hardest things to pray, but when we can pray that and slowly believe it, man, what a free place to be. It means we don't have to manipulate our situations anymore. We don't have to try and figure out, okay, what do I have to do to make myself happy? No, okay, God, what, what do you want to do to make me happy? Wherever you have me, I'm just going to learn to be content. Again, it's so countercultural. But if we will begin to pray that, if we'll begin to submit, then God will change our hearts, change our lives. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what suffering are we, we going through? What suffering are you going through right now that, that maybe, like me, you're trying to run away from as much as possible? Trying to get away from it because it hurts. Whatever it is, write it down. Begin to ask God the question, God, what are, you, what are you teaching me here? What are you trying to do here? Lord, whatever you're trying to do, I want to learn. I don't want to miss out on what you're teaching me here. What, I don't want to miss out on, on what dross, what impurities you're bringing up in my life so that I can be closer to you, I can be happier, I can be closer to others. We have to change the way that we think about these hard situations. What else does it mean that God is a God of fire? He is the refiner, but there is so much more to this, that, that God is an all-consuming fire. All throughout the Bible, God's fire signifies his power and his presence, along with a myriad of other things. But some of the main things is his power and his presence. So in my fire mountain, it's one of my favorite pics in the world. Look at that thing. Isn't that awesome? All right. As I read this next verse, I want you to envision this. All of Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire, and smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain shook violently. Imagine standing at the base of this mountain here and hearing God speak, feeling the mountain shake. Like it's a mountain. How does it shake? Because of the one who is speaking. Imagine standing at the base of that mountain saying, okay, God, I know that when you speak, this, the mountain shakes and then like fire consumes this whole thing, but here's the deal, God. Like, I know 
that my addictions are too much for you. Okay, God, I know that you're powerful enough to, to consume this mountain with your fire and that, that this is like a, an awesomely terrifying sight to behold, but God, I don't, I don't know, can you really help my family situation? Like, no, we would never think that. When you're standing in, the, in, in God's power and you're seeing his power come before you in that way, can you imagine being like, oh God, I, yeah, I mean, you're strong, but... Like, I don't know if you can handle this. I don't know if you can handle my situation. No, when you're standing in the, in the presence of God's power, it's like, what, God, whatever you want to do, you can do. God, it doesn't matter how hard I think it is. Whatever you want to do in my life, for my life, you can do. And God's power is good news to us. That's when we believe in God's power it fills us with hope is anything too hard for God if this is the same God who who spoke a word and all these billions of stars and galaxies came forth and he he spoke a word and this entire ocean parted so that his people could walk through it like this is the same God that we're talking about the same God of the Bible is the same God of today and what is too hard for him as we have to remind ourselves of God's power because it fills us with such hope. Because God is a God of miracles. God is a God who moves in power. And good news, God is a God who loves his people. He's with us. He's with us. It leads us to his presence God's presence is closely tied with fire so often in the Bible. Show me my sweet fire tornado. I mean, it's terrifying, but it's awesome. Like, that, that, that thing really happened. Listen to this verse and imagine that happening here. 2 Chronicles 7, 1. As soon as Solomon had finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. I mean, can you imagine standing there at the temple and like you're praying and you hear Solomon finish this prayer and then all of a sudden a fire tornado comes down and consumes this offering? Like, but then you notice what it says at, at the end of this passage. What did the, the fire tornado signify? It says, And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The glory of the Lord, his presence, who he was, filled the temple. When God consumes us, it means that he is with us. When God consumed the offering here, it meant that he was with them. And so when we understand that, that this God that we serve is, is alive and he's active and he's all-powerful, that he is with us. And not just that, that he's some, some puny God who's with us. No, he is infinitely powerful. 
Man, when we understand that, when we believe that, when we receive that, what can we not do? What can we not accomplish in his name? Nothing. Whatever God is calling you to do, know that his power and his presence are with you. And because of that, nothing is too hard for him. Nothing is too hard for him. Guys, when, when I, this fearful 12-year-old boy, when I was aware that God's power and his presence were with me, he consumed my fear. Guys, what, what might God want to consume in your life if you begin to believe and receive that his power and his presence are with you? Maybe just ask yourself this question, what, what does God want to change in my life now that I, now that I know man, his power is with me? Not only that, his, his presence is intimately with me. So God, if, if you're calling me to talk to this guy at school that, that no one talks to and share you with him, then I'm going to do it because you're with me and you're going to fill me with power. God, if you're calling me to confess this sin that, that I'm, I'm clinging to, then, then I can do it. And I, I can overcome this by your power and by your presence. God, whatever God is calling you to do, know that if you are in Christ, and his, his power, infinite power, think about the, the mountains, think about the fire tornadoes, his infinite power is with you to accomplish whatever he wants to do in and through you. The band can begin making their way up. Guys, if we are to be shepherds of fire, if we are to, to steward this fire to others, to, to be able to pass on this fire to those around us, then we have to first understand that we serve a God of fire. And that his consuming fire, the fact that he is a consuming fire, is for our good. It's for our happiness. It's for our freedom. Guys, when we confess our sin to him, just picture, picture that fire tornado coming down and consuming your sin. Like it, it's gone, it's no more. When we pray for his protection, picture the God that came on this mountain and, and filled it with, with all of his fire and flame, like that, that is the God that is protecting you. As when we pray for, for love, for boldness, picture, imagine the God of fire coursing through your veins and empowering you to be able to love these people like God loves them. Guys, when we understand, when I understand the reality that I serve a God of fire, my whole life changes. Our whole lives will change if we can receive this here today. If we can receive that we're not just going through the motions, that we're not just playing a show, that we're not just going through empty religion, but that we are trying to 
see and know the God of the universe and that we get to know him because he has first loved us and he has pursued us with his infinite affection on each and every one of you. And when we know that, what can we not accomplish? What can we not do that he is calling us to do? Nothing. In the God of fire, we can do anything he has called us to. We're going to move into a time of response. Pull out your prayer cards. It's the, always the most important time of a sermon is, is okay, God, I hear all of this, I hear all of this truth, now what are you calling me to do out of it? If we don't take the truth that we hear and if we don't apply it today, then in 24 hours we're going to forget about it and we're going to leave it behind. And you know what that does to us? It robs us of joy. It robs us of peace. It robs us of freedom. So just between you and the Lord, maybe close your eyes if it helps you to remove distractions. Knowing that God's power and his presence are with you, what is he calling you to do? Whatever it is, write it down. writing, just ask him another question. God, what suffering, what hardship am I trying to escape from that you want me to embrace? Embrace what you're doing. just like I had to do whenever I was working at that job that I hated. Where, where do you need to pray for God to light you on fire, to light you up, to light up your passion, to light up your enthusiasm for what he's calling you to? Where, what, do you what do you need God to light you up in? Maybe it's in your Bible reading time, your time with him. Maybe it's in conviction of, of some sin clinging to that you don't want God to consume. If it's in your love for others, whatever it is, if you'll just ask him in faith and then submit to what he's doing in it, man, he will do just like he did for me. I'm not special. He will light us up to be able to experience more joy and peace. We will submit ourselves to him. continue to respond together. Guys, every, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every morning, 
I have to fight going through the motions. And I'm a pastor. I'm, but there is nothing different between me and you. We have to fight just going through the motions. And so as we respond here today, don't just go through the motions. When we take communion, let's, let's remember, let's savor the fact that our, our Messiah, our Savior, bled and died so that we could know him, so that we could experience this freedom and happiness. When we worship, let's sing with all of our hearts because of all that God has done for us, because of who he is, because he is the God who is an all-consuming fire. Let's, let's respond together. Would y'all pray with me? Jesus, we are desperate for you. God, we're desperate for you to move. God, we're desperate for you to light us up. We're desperate for your fire to consume the parts of our lives that are hurting us. God, we, we so long to be free. We so long to walk in happiness and holiness and peace. So God, would you come and do what only you can do? Consume us, God. Just like you consumed Mount Sinai, just like you consumed the offerings, just like you do as you refine us, God, would you consume every part of us so that we can be those shepherds of fire. Lord, we can't do this alone, but you can do this in us. So God, we're begging you for a miracle. Do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.